Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here, as always, with co-host Alan Goldman. How you doing, Alan? Okay, Mike. That's sort of the subject for today, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is our uh, mounting... So that's about dis- as positive as I'm going to get. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's about our mounting despair. And can you please introduce our new panelist? Uh, well, I'm really, really very happy and super excited for, on many levels, to introduce uh, Sharon Wagner-Zalder um, as she has come home after three years in exile in England, um, but also as, a, as an old friend and colleague and the fact that she's also joined our team here at, um, at, uh, at Macomb and at Impact Israel because uh, um, she's now on our, our official, uh, official faculty team, whatever we, whatever we refer to. And so it's really exciting on many different ways, many different levels that Sharon, who's such an amazing educator um, and, uh, you know, a tour guide, educator, um, uh, Israel expert, I don't know, all those things that you can throw out about Sharon. Renaissance woman. Um, and that she's Renaissance woman. And that after three years at the, in England with, uh, was UJA? UJIA. UJIA. I know the change of those, all those different initials. I can never keep them straight at different organizations. After, um, what, you, you were the, uh, the education director? Um, and and now has come back home and um, to change the lives of the many visiting Israel um, and to also of course uh, help our team raise up another level um, so thanks thanks for coming home Sharon and welcome <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much it is tov liot it's good to be home and I really do feel like it's home. I actually worked out that I'd spent, it's almost exactly half of my life in England and half of my life in Israel. I think we're at that stage now. It's like two years in between those things. And it's uh, it's really weird because I really do feel like properly now, just like my feet is in both camps. And you can really, because that British part of me is quite fresh, but that Israeli part of me was like nearly all of my professional life was in Israel. So it's, uh, it's a really, it's, I have had a lot of time to think about it. I was in isolation with Bidud, so I did come back and go into isolation. It did a week out of the two weeks that was asked of us, because then they changed uh, Britain to a green country. So there's been a lot of time for contemplation. <laughs> so oh, really? Even with your kids in isolation with you? You can, can contemplate? Yeah. Because, you know, they keep asking you questions and you have to come up with some answers. Like, well, that's your fault for having smart. That's your fault for having smart kids. Well, I think it's more questioning or sassy or not (laughs) accepting anything that's said to them, which I don't know where they get it from. How does it feel to come from a uh, what we consider a green country into a country with now we're getting up to 4000 new cases a day to a country that's basically I think it's fair to say lost control of the virus. It, we're in the top one or two of countries with the highest per capita corona yeah. rates right now. So yeah, it's good to be number one. Sometimes yeah. not so much. It's really interesting. There's such different um, corona uh, guidelines, and they're done in such a different way. And it is deeply cultural. So mm. 
I was really thinking about this because in Britain, people like um, authority. They like the authority. They like, you know, lining up in a queue. They like the fact that they believe, even though that they think that the government is a bit, you know, not the best and they're not doing the best, but they have good experts and if only they listen to them, then, you know, maybe they'll stop bumbling around. And this idea that maybe they're sort of like looking through the darkness and whatever else. But this idea that the government sets out a guideline and you look it up and you say guidelines in the UK and you've got it very, very clearly. You've got it clearly what it is in England and in um, Wales and in Scotland and a little bit different in Northern Ireland. So they say, right, these people you can have and they just changed it and they updated it and it's very clear. So people know what's going on. Um, (laughs) And it's and people generally do follow. it. Sounds great. British. British yeah. people follow rules because they believe in rules yeah. and it gives them a sense of security. However fake it might be, it gives a certain sense well, of security. It's, it's, a, it's a belief that structures can be made to improve everyone's life if we respect those structures. I mean, that's that's been part of uh, the British heritage since the Magna Carta, that we don't have to fight all the right. time. We can create a better system that will prevent future fights. And if a new fight erupts, then we'll follow that up with a new set of rules that'll make a, the next fight less likely. And and that mounting tradition means that it's a society that respects rules. As long as they're making the rules. <laughs> right. So the thing is that there's, you know, there's been a bit of a, you know, there's like there's been stuff going on where people go, oh, he doesn't know what they're saying and, you know, we should right. go out but we should stay in but we should stay in but go out but it, it's not so bad. I definitely got the feeling here but this is Israel. Israel, we, we, we pride ourselves that a no is never a no and the one-way street, it's I'm only going one way and the, you know, the whole thing of like we can, you know, whenever you get stopped by the police, it's a discussion. You know, right. it's not a... It's, it's not a sort of like, here's your fine. No, it's like, what are you talking about? Don't you realize I was doing this? You didn't see me. And there's a whole thing where they just go, like, take it to the, to the court because they don't even have a conversation with you about it. Mm-hmm. And the things that... By the way, in the around, court, you can also so, negotiate once you're there. Of course. Yeah. Of course you can. Because nothing is ever, uh, you know, nothing's ever final. There's always a mild bet. There's always the second it, taking of the exam. There's always that thing. So on one level, that's what makes Israel that kind of innovative, we're going to come up with new ideas about how to do things. But in a pandemic, it's a, it, it, it's a bit crazy because you like, everyone believes that they know better. There is a deep distrust of anybody in authority anyway, let alone about anything that's going on despite your political opinion about who you think is in charge, who you think should be in charge, which one of the many politicians did the right thing by going to a wedding, not going to a wedding, by going to a wedding only five minutes, but then allowing it to go on, by whatever it might be, there is that deep distrust that they might not really know what's going on in the, you know, are the are the experts really experts? And do I really need to wear this mask? So I'm going to play, really play devil's advocate. And argue, I mean, that's true. Obviously, there's a big difference between the English speaking, certainly the the Anglo-Saxon British world and its appreciation of rules and the Mediterranean and Middle Eastern worlds where everything is a negotiation. Everything is a that's true. Can I just throw in my pet peeve for a second in all these? Because people don't park in the parking lanes. Yeah, they park over the parking lines. So therefore, because I think actually this is really critical because they park over the parking lines. But parking over the parking lines mean that you, that then you, you probably two other space. people can't park. 
yeah, you don't leave space for someone else. Or if right. you don't follow your lane on the road, you're going to cause gonna an accident. Yeah. Right? Right? And that's, uh, that's like yeah, a, I, a classic I, I, here. I absolutely acknowledge that that is a fair cultural difference that, that especially as, as Anglo-Olim, we're particularly sensitive to. Uh, but I would argue that Israelis did handle the initial lockdown extremely well and our numbers were incredibly low and that when we got clear, coherent guidance from leaders who were articulate, explained themselves, were reasonable, that made simple, coherent rules, people followed them. Once the leaders stopped paying attention and plunged into a chaos of miscommunication, indecision, inability to, to articulate simple, clear guidelines, everyone just went into do-your-own-thing mode. Now, it could be that part of it is, you know, the initial emergency, everybody was in mode, and then Israelis just don't have the patience to maintain rules that long. But I would argue that we don't really have a good test of if Israelis can follow rules because we haven't been given meaningful rules. And, 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 and that sense that, do they know what they're talking about? I would argue anyone with any honest perception can clearly see that they are incoherent uh, and, and nonsensical. I think yeah. there's a definite sense of fatigue as well everywhere. People who have been following rules are like, do we still need to be doing this? And then you just realize, actually, you know, every time I come in, do I need to wash my hands? Do I need to really sanitize all the time? Do I like, you know, the kids, they play out, so they want to play with their friends. Like, what's, like how long can we deny them that social interaction? Like, how long can we... Uh, and it's that idea that when it's very clear, when there's a lockdown, it's very clear. It's the idea when you ease a lockdown, which you cannot live in lockdown all the time. It, 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 it's not... It's not any, no one would survive, no matter food-wise, economically, socially, emotionally, anyway. So when you ease the lockdown, how do you communicate that clearly enough so that people have, and it's been everywhere that there's an issue. Like, I'm not saying in England everyone's saying, there's mad rave parties, there's people coming back from being away who are like, yeah, we're all going to hang out in each other's houses now, and there's infection rates, and there's all kinds of stuff, especially actually going on in Jewish schools as well at the moment in, in London. There's a few of them that had to shut down certain year groups because people have come back from internal holidays and have not heeded the guidelines or they've come back from countries and have not heeded guidelines. And so, so you'll get a flare up because it was they, people were not respecting the system. But, but Israel's not a flare up. Kind of, no, this is not. This is something bigger. And I think it's part of a bigger malaise. And that's probably what we're going to end up talking about is this idea that some like under periods of stress, which let's be honest, a pandemic is, I think one of the big stresses, I would say, where you've got something out there that can kill or we, and we're not sure of the long-term effects. More and more stuff is coming out from research now about people who've been infected and long-term medical uh, health problems that they have, not only with uh, respiratory issues, some people is, uh, have that of triggering other diseases as well. We, we're still very unsure, it's very early stages. It's a huge amount of stress. When stress happens, all the other things that weren't good with, uh, uh, you know, in the vicinity, they also show their cracks. And so I think we're seeing that within Israel, the stress of corona is really pushing 
and making a, a bigger spotlight and a magnifying glass on quite a lot of other things which are in Israeli society that need to be looked at. Hmm. I, think that, I think that's true, but I think you're still being too forgiving of uh, a government that is in such dysfunction that there I think that I think there is a, a, a devastating failure of leadership that if 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 that hadn't happened I think we we would be doing much much better I, I, I without disagreeing with anything you're saying I'm adding a factor I'm not I'm, I'm gonna even add up that it'd be more blunt uh, to Michael's the government um, in uh, the, the transitional government in April and March and uh, March and April, right? Dealt with a pandemic. They cut the numbers down to under something like 10 to 20 people a day being infected. Mm-hmm. They formed a government, a coalition government. The whole purpose of the coalition government was really a six month government, even though they had all through all those. They was, literally the had was, one job. The job was for the first six months, they're going to attack the coronavirus from all different aspects. It's not, we're not talking about just the health issues. We're talking about the economic issues, the social issues, the structural, all of those different issues was their job to attack it, have a strategy when we come out of the lockdown, the first lockdown after the first wave in, in, in May, at which they successfully- we Get testing up and, and available, that. screen testing, screening tests. Everything, right, everything, you know, and all those things they needed to do to come up with a way to attack it. So now we're, we're close to six months down the line that the government has been formed, and we're close to, we're about 4,000 cases a day, up from May in 10 to 20. And if you look at it from March to through July, there were 500 deaths. In August, there was 500 deaths. And in August, there were about 2,000 cases a day, right? July and August were had between, you know, started to go between 1,000, 1,500 to 2,000 cases a day. And then in August, there was 500 deaths. Now we're at 4,000 cases a day. So what does that mean? Again, I'm not, yeah, I'm not. Even, I'm not a statistician. I'm not a health person. I don't know. I'm just a simple guy who's who's a, a, who's a Jewish educator. What do I know? I know a little bit about you know Jewish history. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Let me but ask you guys a silly question. That when the, the government news- completely failed. Yeah. Has completely, completely failed on the one thing that they're supposed to be doing this time, and therefore, trust is out the window for the thing, and therefore then all those other cultural things take over. So that to me is what's happened, right? It's a f- it, complete, absolute failure of Netanyahu's government, because he's still there of the government, that has led to a complete distrust, which was already building, a distrust over, remember. It was what, building three, so much that they hired, they, it was building so much they hired Gamzu to calm people down and say, right. okay, we'll put somebody in charge to coordinate, you can trust him. And they don't listen to him. And the government right. won't but implement saying, his... The, the distrust was already building, right? Three, no, 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 that's why we have Gamzu right? to deal with the distrust. Yeah. yeah. So, so this whole uh, feeling of distrust was already there. Then, there, then, uh, and now it's completely fallen apart. So then, the the cultural aspects, I think that that Sharon that you were talking about, which is I think is absolutely true, came to fore. Okay, I don't trust you. So now I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm not going to listen to you because you're not you're not worth it. And now it's uh, you know as I said to my kids today my the the, the last line of Shoftim right of the book of Judges right. There's no king in Israel. Everybody does what they want in their own eyes. You know I that, that's where we're at. Let me ask you a simple question, and maybe it's silly. When the newspaper says, "Okay, here's the policy," 
Do you read it carefully and say, well, I got to sit down with my kids and make sure everybody understands this? Or do you roll your eyes and go, this is so complicated. I don't even understand it. But what's the difference? Because it's not going to be implemented or enforced anyway. So I'm just going to have to rely on my good judgment. Because honestly, that's where I am. I look at the paper. They report this is it. And I go, what the? I don't know what this means. And, and it doesn't make sense. And I can't make heads or tails of it. Red, it's green, really blue. But we, this is the really hard thing as well. As... As, uh, you know, as individual adults, there's one thing, but I'm making decisions for my family, which are life and death decisions. Well, I am not the expert in it, and the experts have no power to enforce what's going on. Um, And so they can come up with whatever they want. You know, they come up with, you know, you should be doing this and we should have a lockdown. Oh, no, it shouldn't be a lockdown, maybe just a curfew, because otherwise it's going to be politically damaging. Because, you know, coronavirus only comes out at night. It's like, you know what I mean? It's only if you feed them after midnight and give them water, does coronavirus attack. But during the day, they're very calm and sweet and you can be cuddly and make a film about it. So it's the most bizarre concept of, like, it's irrational. But the idea is that... There's certain rules that we have to follow, otherwise we get fines that nobody can afford because like, he's got money these days. So there's that kind of thing. And they're not even giving fines anymore. I don't, I don't they're think there's that much enforcement. They're not collecting oh, they them. That's what oh, they said in yeah. the newspaper. Oh. They're giving fines out, but people aren't paying them. So there's yeah. that first thing that's going on. I don't need any added stress of being in trouble with any kind of authorities where I'm going to get that kind of stuff. But then there's the other thing, like, even as a thing, last night my kid was out. They said, we want to stay on. There's a few people getting together. Please let me go. Please let me go. And I'm going, how am I meant to make a decision on this? I don't know what social distancing is going on. I don't know if you're inside or outside. I don't know how many people are wearing masks. I don't know what's going on. Uh, you want to go because, you know, you've just come back and you've got, you're trying to make friends and this is a great sort of way of doing things. And I made a decision that, might affect whether or not I can see my parents, whether or not my children might infect other people who are at risk. And it's a huge decision that when you make a decision like that, those are the things that are now sitting on us. Uh, Because Mm. I'm being, listen, one of the reasons why I was being deliberately ambiguous about government things is that I am well aware that I did vote in one of the last three elections, but I didn't come back for all of them. Because mm-hmm. I was living somewhere else. And also, I've not been living under these conditions. So I don't feel that there's... I, I'm, I'm, and I've read about it from afar, but I don't feel that I have the same authority to speak about it in the same way that you guys do because you've been living through this. But right. um, I completely see what you're saying. It seems to me yeah. that the it is this rudderless ship where whichever yeah. wind blows hardest, that's the ship, that's the direction it's going in. Right. And the idea that if you are able to make that big load of hot air come your way, then that's where the country's going. And it seems like it, it, it has lost its way on that. And it's seriously disturbing because this thing moves very quickly. It, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's highly infectious and by the time you realize someone's infected, you've infected loads of other people. And so mm-hmm. these figures. That's how are exponential growth works. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I think uh, you've got to get you got to shed off that English thing about not feeling like you can say anything because you got to get back to your Israeli thing that says you can say anything anywhere about anything, whether you know anything about it or not. 
Our policy is, yeah. My no, but if, I, I would honestly mind. advocate to. Yeah. So there's Go a ahead. friend of mine who uh, is is uh, she does she used to do a bit of stand up comedy and she says I'm British Israeli, which means I'm rude on the outside and I'm rude on the inside. Which is one of my favourite things. I've got to get back to uh, not only being rude on the inside. I've got to reawaken that thing of uh, speaking it much more directly. You're right. No, but I, I, I do think Jews should have strong opinions, even if they're not here. And I do, th- you know, and they're involved. And in, you know, even if you weren't here, but you were, you were following it, and you, you knew. So I, 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 I respect your intellectual humility, but I, I uh, would encourage you to. Uh, to be bold in your and comfortable in your opinions. Um, lean in. Yeah, lean in. <laughs> so, how are we dealing with our sense of? Uh, I, I don't. I don't. I don't have a sense of. Look, I, I. I relate to you in terms of my wife and I keep looking at each other and saying, "Why are all these other people not doing the things we're doing?" Or make like other people are just. Oh, we're we're just having people over for Shabbat, and we are just going back to normal life. And my wife and I are like. Why is everyone doing that? The numbers are crazy. We should be more careful, not less. So I'm also in that weird zone of like, what is happening? And, and you know, my kids are adults, so I don't order them, but I, I express my opinion. Sometimes they disagree with me, and, but they, they I, hope, I, I do think to a certain degree I've, I've helped shape their priorities over a longer term. But... Um, but how are you guys processing this sense of... I, I, I don't honestly have a sense of panic. I don't feel like my life is out of control. I'm not terrified. But I do have a sense of despair of... You know, you, this, was, this was a pretty... Other nations are dealing with this. Like, their governments understood that this is something that you really need a coordinated governmental approach to address. As Alan was saying, it's multivariable. And, and it, it's a real competence test like like you were saying Sharon there's these stress tests in society well this is a governmental stress test you have to keep the people safe it's the most basic reason that government exists in the social contract and they're just not even I don't know I, I hate to say they're not even trying but they're just not serious about it you know every interest group is fighting for its own little piece and there's nobody on the top saying guys Shut up! This is one boat, and we all have to we all have to paddle in the same direction. So you can take your individual things, sack it. We're doing this together. There's no, I mean, I don't know that that's Churchillian. Do you know what I mean? I think that's yes, he could do, but it, it seems so basic. And and I honestly had this sense at the beginning that that Netanyahu was doing that. I felt watching him on TV. I'm like, okay. Okay, there's a captain with his hands on the tiller, you know, and he'll steer us through. What happened? And and that's giving me a sense of not again, not utter hopelessness, but but there I do have a feeling of despair, of like how are we going to get through this if without leadership? And 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 and, and I, to acknowledge your point, Sharon, you can never blame leadership because the people, especially in a democracy, the people hold responsibility. But the people can't do it without leadership. Also, they're both sides of that equation, and the leaders have abjectly, by any standard of measurement, been an utter and complete failure in this in this in the last six months. The whole How do you process democracies? Democracy is that social contract. Like we yeah. give you the ability to rule on our behalf 
But yeah. the fact is that we also have to be accountable to us. And this kind of feeling that there has been a very different rule for, say, people in government, this idea that... Uh, if Netanyahu flies to go to be in another place, and that place will now be on a green list, so when he comes back, he won't have to be in isolation for those. I mean, he's flying hours. away next week. He's flying away next week to Washington to celebrate the UAE deal while he's with well, his four thousand cases a day. What is that? Everybody intuitively knows that's irresponsible. There's a crisis. You can't act like there isn't. Right, and that and that idea that you know. There is a different set of rules. I mean, it came through, especially during the time where there was financial crisis. And the the one thing that the MKs could all agree on was their own pay rise. And the fact <laughs> is that you're sitting there and you're going, nobody's got a job. Everyone's scrambling. But I'm really glad that you're unable to pass a budget, but you are able to pass your pay rise. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't be paid for the work that they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you do have to be aware that where most um, businesses are taking cuts so they don't have to get rid of all their workers. The higher echelons might take a pay cut so they can keep people, or people are on halat or on furlough or something like that. That the government seems to be very much concerned with the game of politics about working out where they stand, who has the power, the pull and push, making sure power is in control, and not necessarily doing what they're put there to do, which is to look after the interests of the country. When the politicians are there for themselves and not for the country, that's what we have is a huge issue and a huge problem. And then the idea of, well, if you get, and this has been something that's been going on for a while, is if you remove those people who are in power, then who would be next who like who else would we consider to be better or hold it better because everyone within that game of politics seems to be playing the game as opposed to running the country that's uh, my sure. question about where else the only we one go. the only one in the last several months who stepped outside the game was benny gantz who said i'm going to surrender all the power that i've accrued through my coalition and create a unity government i'm going to divide my own coalition and break it in the interest of the national good which I took as a positive sign, and then, and then, seemingly, it was just outplayed, outmaneuvered by the gamesters, by the by the. He's been totally ineffective. Yeah, totally ineffective. Or, or he was you know, totally ineffective. Whatever it is, he, he's also part of a government now that's failed. Yeah. Right. So, how pessimistic should I get? You go there. <laughs> you deep dive, my friend. I will always throw you the lifeline. Well, put okay. You what's the lifeline? Oh, I know. There's no I life always have something. Oh, stop it. I am the most ridiculously... I have to live my life while acknowledging all the stuff around me. I have a certain part of me that always... Not, not sugarcoats it. I don't sort of like, go, oh, it's all going to be fine. Look how much I've learned during lockdown about myself. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that some people talk about Corona and go, oh, I've learned so much and I've realized reevalued and I've realized what's important in my life. I could have done that without 4,000 people dying a day. I don't think that's the best way of No, not dying. Things. There aren't 4,000 people dying. Sorry. Oh, I guess uh, worldwide there is. But... Yes, affected yeah. by it. Um, Getting cases, yeah. I, I do, I do. I have come back to a country believing that there is a future here. I didn't move my whole family and uproot everything and come back here without believing that there is a future and the future can be good. So that's what I'm telling you, go for the deep dive because I'll, I'll, uh, I won't let you fall. 
That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Look, I don't believe. Actually, I, 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 I actually, in many ways, did enjoy the isolation of Corona. I'm still enjoying it in some ways, and that. Day, but I don't mean on the personal level. Um, I not have financially. a deep fear. Not financially. I have a deep fear. I have a deep fear, and again, you know, it, it, it's maybe the trauma as a Holocaust studies person. <laughs> Who knows? But I have a, a deep fear, and it's not just—it's not the corona. It's not per se the corona, but it's the structural changes that are happening now, and the the long-term effects. Which we're, I'm not talking about six months or a year when they find a vaccine or what have you, but the structural effects that are going into now that can lead to. Um, pretty bad you know the disintegration of a lot of the institutions that protect peoples um, and we know that uh, economic times and all kinds of other pressures can bring out serious backlashes or serious scapegoating on all kinds of different groups minorities in this and we as Jews know that as well as anybody on our backs um, so I, I'm not I'm not I don't per se afraid that there won't be in Israel or there won't be those things but I do fear that that the terrible um, uh, ramifications of this on, on many different levels, we will see bad, a lot of bad stuff happening over the next decade. Um, and you're talking globally or you're talking uh, you in know, Israel? I'm talking both. I'm talking, I don't think, I think Israel has shown that we're not separate from the global, you know, uh, the global, what, what do you want to call it? The global schwung. I don't know how you say it, right? But what's happening in the globe, right? Just in our political Look, system. California, was, California is essentially a nuclear winter. It's cut off from the sun. There's no, there's no yeah. day in California. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Not in all of California. In no, but where, the fi- where the wildfires are, they're out of fires, control. They're yeah. beyond. They're beyond. Yeah. In San Francisco. No, look, um, I... We so are that's entering. What I'm saying, like, I, I fear that these that, that there's no this lack of these decentralized governments that are not really functioning like they should anymore. Um, again, I don't, I don't. Governments and leaders are not. They're not supposed to be right all the time. They right. make mistakes all the time. The problem isn't making mistakes. The problem is is acting for. It, again, we always. It's not a question of good policy but, or bad policy. It's but, a problem of functionality. It's by having a strategy that that you kind of try to that is best for your country and then also hopefully for the global world. But my point is is that Israel's not removed from that global world. Just like in our political system has gone the way that a lot of other political systems, you know, uh, in the last in the last five to ten years. So that's what that's what really uh, worries me. Not that I'm going to get Corona or that this person individually is going to die or this is the, the actual the overall effects to society that I think most people aren't really thinking about. And what historical uh, period would you, aside from the end of the period of the judges, uh, what recent <laughs> period, no, I'm serious, I, I, by the way, I agree with you. I, um, I, I've been saying that actually for years. So I. I thought you were going to yeah. go somewhere else. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I mean, this is what I'm thinking about, <laughs> definitely. And I don't see a way, I, that's the thing, at the moment, I can't see how we're going to move out. I do feel that we're institutionalizing some very um, like we're losing faith in the institutions of government. We're losing faith yeah. in the the ways of democracy after four, four ele- like three four elections about what goes on and how government works and who's in charge yeah. and what goes on. That, there is a huge issue with that. There's an issue about leadership, about who steps up, who gets involved in that political game. To that you have to work that system so then you can 
but then you're part of it and then you're you know fighting for your power as opposed right. to leading a country or looking out for the interest of the uh, citizens it's a right. very yeah i'm with you i mean there's a so. cliche in the u.s i don't know if it's in the uk that the generation that that lived through the, Depre- the Great Depression and World War II are called the greatest generation. You know, these unbelievable people who achieved so much because they were right. so challenged. Uh, I, I don't know that young people today uh, are going to... <laughs> yeah, I think we may have another greatest generation coming because I think that the, we have to be aware that uh, we're heading into difficult times in the 21st century. And in 2020, where where, you know, it's become like a like a meme kind of joke about how crazy 2020 is, but they made jokes like that about 2019 and 18, and t- like like things are there is there is visible entropy in the things that held us together for decades and made the world relatively a peaceful, livable place for vast numbers of of people on planet Earth. If yeah. not the majority. So, do we need uh, to have and those, a new system? Is that what we're looking at? You guys we need a whole bunch of new systems. Idea. Yeah. We need a new system. Oh, we sure. Obviously, run by us because you know we're the same. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I think that's there's a, a whole bunch. That's of... That's a thing. I mean, I, I think I said I said it last week, so I don't want to you know keep repeating. But but yes, we but new systems come out of a a, 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 a disintegration. And then a recreation, and we don't actually can't really see now what that new system will be. Lots of people maybe start thinking about different things and relating, and how technology plays into it, and how, all these different things. But, but unfortunately, right, it's that's a it's a difficult process to go through. Right, the 19th century was a tough time, right, and that that with huge industrialization, and so you, and and the move to urban centers and all of those things, we can also count to a lot of a lot of negative things that happened in no time. Um, again, we're talking worldwide, right? Destruction of Native Americans, <laughs> for instance, the genocide against Native Americans in the 19th century, right? The, which brought about um, that. So, look, I, that, I, I do think that's that worry a, me. I do think that that's somewhat of a British tradition. That you know, I just finished uh, Churchill's memoirs of World War II that he wrote like in the late 50s. Well, and Native and, American and, genocide. Not about Native American genocide, <laughs> although he has some genocidal. <laughs> qualifications of his own well, like not exactly genocide but he's yes. yeah he, he has some colonial blood in his hands but he but but he's so conscious was an interesting time for him yeah yeah but he's so conscious mm-hmm. and he's so uh he and and fdr and then truman and other allied leaders are so conscious of creating i, I do think that's a british tradition going back to the magna carta that disaster means we rebuild something smarter to prevent that disaster from happening again and we take that as normal in the western world but it's a it's a relatively unique innovation that's now spreading to the modern world so i do think better things will come out of this period i think there are things that we didn't fix and needs we need things need to break before we do but that means we're going through some uh, difficult times and it's also um it's okay to look at it as kind of an intellectual process of when we are detached from it, from an academic point of view, like societies go through ebbs and flows and they go through uh, times yeah. of conflict and times of congruence and they go through all of these kind of things. And um, you can get quite philosophical about it and can get very involved in that sort of like academic ivory tower side of things. But then the reality is that we're living through it. 
and the mm-hmm. personal fallout, not just personal as in my immediate family, but the personal experience of the fallout that will need to take place before the new system can happen is going yeah, to be that scary. like what that is the bit that is very disturbing and that is the bit mm-hmm. that is is at the moment unnavigable and is we, we don't know what that looks like. I am right. I, I, I do believe absolutely that this will pass and we'll get through and things will change because nothing stays the same and mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff for the for the good and the bad nothing changes <laughs> nothing stays the same you know what i mean we mm-hmm. wish we could have stayed on the yeah. levels it was when we were doing lockdown but that's not possible but the fact is that then what is there's an old native be? american saying that the difference between oh. uh, a, a happy story and a sad story is when you stop telling it because if, if you just go to the next yeah. chapter it's yeah yeah so the idea is the thing is that what what will need to happen and it will be like a trauma there is a trauma in any kind of change because change does not happen unless there is literally no other alternative when you are stuck in a system already so the fact is that what 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 will that trauma look like how far will it be affecting how far reaching how long will it go on for before we can say that we're building that new steps up and those and those new systems that that obviously need to come out because this is the, we say we see it it's broken it's mm-hmm. not working right let's just say it's in the back in the and then the of the tractate salt in the in the talmud right let uh, let me not be in the times of, of the coming of mashiach right of coming of the messiah right why not because they knowing that that's such a transitional lead up to it that the transition that has to come is is exactly like you're saying uh, a, a traumatic change so that's how yep. pessimistic I'm getting. <laughs> but what you're saying is that we're coming into the time of Mashiach. How can that be pessimistic? <laughs> or are you saying it's the end of days? <laughs> is it the end that you're talking about or the new beginning? That's the bit we're the, talking about. The positive is, is that every step is a step closer. But, uh, every, yeah. but a lot of those steps along the way are painful and difficult and require exertion yeah. and focus and determination. And I think on, on a very, as you said, on a very practical level, I think, you know, I have a fear for my children that, that, that you know, not, not again, not as a, they're going to, even though my daughter now is kind of as Wade is going to go, is in be due to my just like son just came out a week ago, but in uh, quarantine, is, but of like, is what, what is their lives going to look like? What advantage they have? They're, they're, you know, my daughter's in 12th grade now that's completely changed and, my son is starting his life after the army and that, you know, like, is their life going to be a lot harder than mine? Than mine and the whole, is, has and been, the whole, you know? The whole thought process of us as parents within a generation is that we always want to try and make our children's lives somewhat better. This idea is that we, as generations, yeah. we want, like, you know, my grandparents How old had is this, that my idea? parents had this. And it is, it's a very linear kind of convert. How old is that idea? Oh my God! Like forever, as far as nope. I mean, I nope. don't know. Can't no? be. You think a peasant in middle in medieval France thought, you know, if I just yeah. do the, if I just, if I'm a good serf, perhaps my grandson can become royalty? No, that's no, a modern. Because they know that royal royalty has to. You have to marry it. I'm sorry, you don't, don't, don't have royalty. You got to marry it. That's that's what you do. No, but the, the idea there, is that is, there is a modern pieces of bread instead of one piece of bread. No, it's a modern yes. Western idea of the world that we've shaped. 
that you can progress class. and you can make a middle class where your kids can live a better future than you. It's a modern invention a, and it's not normal in the history of the world. There's a difference between social mobility, which never was a case because you were given your God-given rights and that's where you were within the structure. There's a difference between social mobility, which is slightly different, which I agree with you. The social mobility, the idea of the middle classes and everything else and all those comes with that and the class system that works and whatever. Yeah, but the idea that your experience could maybe make your children's life a little bit easier or you could ease their way in the world i think is a parent idea yeah, you not take care of your kids not yeah. right not be covered in mud and be you know like sorry a lot of monty python stuff coming up in my head yeah. but like uh, not not be you know uh, downtrodden by you know the owner of the land of course that's going to mm. happen but maybe you're able to have potato, two potatoes instead of one potato. Like the idea that maybe your marriage will lead to something different. Maybe your life would move. I really do think that that's... Parental love and care is not the same as a belief in the concept of progress, which is, which is troubling us today, that we're worried that we're leaving the modern period of progress. And it's, it covers in everything, like the whole, you know, stuff that's being left behind which always get the long-term planning things about our lives and our environment our planet our healthcare, our society our ethics all those long-term stuff that we, we we love to think about are being curtailed by the immediate so we've been spoiled by the luxury of stability and 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 having it replaced with uncertainty makes everything harder Well, I think I think uh, <laughs> I don't know how to uh, end other than to say that uh, we'll have to do it together. We'll have to figure this out together. We're, yeah, there was always a thing that um, tour guides. Whenever I used to meet them in airports, we used to meet up with other tour guides in airports, and they were like waiting for the group to come in. And somebody will always say, "Oh, I'm always going to tell the group we we you've come to Israel during interesting times." Because there's no time that that isn't relevant for mm-hmm. any person involving or looking at Israel or whatever else. And I keep thinking about that. Like, I've come back to Israel during interesting times. Interesting <laughs> really is a very wide concept of what is interesting. We kind of long for maybe a little more boring. Maybe that's what we're longing for. Yeah. Not to, not to have everything so interesting all the time. Boring would be good. Yep. Just hopefully not on this podcast. <laughs> well, Never thank you very you. much. Never with you. Uh, welcome, Sharon. Uh, thank you, Alan. Thank you, Mike. And you don't have to sign off, guys, but I'm going to stop the recording. So bye-bye. <laughs>